Well, and Robert doesn't even mention the nicknames that we've made up on top of all of that. Andy Pandy, for example. Is that affectionate? Where does that fit in? <laughs> Where does it fit in, Robert, to your system? Nasty Nick. Robert, tell us. <laughs> tell us, Robert. My name's Will. And my name's Steve. You haven't got time to read War and Peace. Even if it is one of the greatest novels of all time. 587,000 words. 612 grams. That's the weight of the book. 500 characters. 361 chapters. Three volumes. Two epilogues. And a collection of maps. We're going to summarise all of it for you. This is War and Peace in just seven years. (laughs) Steve. Will? Is it you? Is it you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's me. Yeah. Welcome to episode Hello. 36 of War and Peace. Fantastic. In just seven years. How are you doing, mate? I'm good. It's snowing outside. It's nice, you know. It feels like feels good when it's cold outside, but warm inside. Oh, it's the right way round, that, it's, isn't it? <laughs> it well, yeah, 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 that is the right <laughs> way around. You're right. Yeah. Unless, yeah. unless, of course, it was summer. Then it would be the the wrong way round. Of course, of course. Yeah, it's just a just a series of good points to start the podcast <laughs> with. There. Oh. Will has anyone written to us recently or said anything online? <laughs> I see what you did there. Good, good link. Good link. <laughs> yes, they have. <laughs> they have. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't write this stuff. It just happens. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. What have they said? We've had a wonderful email from Robert. So, Robert, if you're listening, well, you better be listening, Robert, because I emailed you back saying we'd be talking about it. So, if you're not you listening... You always say this. You're so threatening. <laughs> you're when in you, trouble. When you reply to someone. If he doesn't want to listen, Robert, if you don't want to listen to this episode, that's your choice, mate. Don't listen to it. It is. It is your choice, Robert. It is. Robert sent us an incredible email. The most detailed email about anything I've ever received in my entire life. It's incredible. I would, de- I would definitely give him the award, a new award. I've just created it for the most detailed podcast email that we've received so far. Award. Robert, what can we say? Congratulations. <laughs> cool clap. Thank you, Robert. But what does it say, Will? It talks about names, i.e. the characters' names in the book. Some people apparently find all the names a little bit confusing. You mean like <laughs> us? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Because we did have one email before that said all the names basically got sort of mangled in the translation. They were kind of open to interpretation, which I took to mean just go for it. Just go for it and make up names. But Steve, you're not going to believe some of this stuff. I'll give this bombshell. You might find characters are referred to by completely different names as the book goes on. What? (laughs) (laughs) What? I mean, listen. When people say there are 500 characters in War and Peace, what if there's just one? I've got to be honest, Will, from what I've read of the book so far, I don't think that's likely. Something I really like about Robert's email is the use of the word patronomic. He's really set the bar high Mm. uh, for this this email. He he thinks highly of us, clearly. (laughs) So cheers, mate, for that. (laughs) The neutral form of address for anyone is their first name plus their patronomic. And the patronomic, of course, Steve, is the root which always comes from the father of the person being referenced. That's a little tidbit of how deep this email is and why Robert deserves the most detailed email award. Your dad's name is John, say, 
so you would become William Hall Jonovich. There you go. It's that simple. Listen, Robert, this email is absolutely fantastic. Uh, we love it. You've taught us something. And Steve and I rarely get to say that. We, I think we've got one kind of rule about this podcast, which is we're not going to do loads and loads of research online, you know, around all the history of it. Not that we no. don't want to learn about War and Peace, but we want to do it through the book and through people writing in and through the listeners and through the community and that sort of thing. So thank you for writing in, Robert. If anyone else has got some things that they can educate us on, please do email us, tolstoywappin7.com. Send it in. And if you send in a spoiler, you will be on the blacklist. That's true. No spoilers. Steve? Let's make our own spoilers. Onwards. The Reading. Chapter 8. I thought I'd break Robert's email down for you because I think you find it quite difficult to understand, right? I'll relate it to something that you do understand very well. Oh, no. The Smurfs. Oh, the Hussars will get it hot. So this is the neutral form of address. This is one way you can name someone. And you take their first name and their father's name. Right. So we'll use Hefty Smurf as an example for all of this. Okay. I'm going to guess Hefty Smurf's dad is Papa Smurf. So Hefty would be called Hefty Papich. Okay, I like that. Papich is a cute name, I like that. His face with its long moustache was serious as always. Only his eyes were brighter than usual. Now, a more respectful way of referring to Hefty Smurf in the Russian naming convention would be his title and then his last name. So his formal address would be Villager Papich. I've got to be honest, Will, Smurfs make a lot of things more accessible, understanding and fun. <laughs> yeah, right, they do. Now, the most respectful form of address is the person's title and full name. So that would be Villager Hefty Papich. <laughs> it's getting confusing now. <laughs> it's not. It's not. <laughs> okay. But you are damp. Let me ring you out. Are they talking about a towel? I have to wait and see, won't you? No spoilers. Hefty Smurf in the Russian naming conventions could be called Hefty Papich, Villager Papich, Hefty, just Papich, or affectionately, Heftenka. <laughs> <laughs> if I were Tsar, I would never go to war. You'd never go to war because you're a coward, Steve. I won't take that, Will. Enough of this. The reading's over. This happened last week as well. You were rude to me. You were rude about <laughs> <Wait>. Smurfs. <laughs> you've, been, you've, you've taken it too far, and so I'm going to stop reading the book as a as a, some sort of punishment. Steve, you've just read a bit of book two. I suppose you want a small round of applause. Please tell me everything. I'm going to tell you <laughs> everything, absolutely everything that I've learned and read in this chapter. Excellent. Settle down. I'm settled. So, well, I'm pleased to report that after the logjam last week, we have finally got off the bridge. As <gasps> if passing through a funnel. Wow. The infantry are across. The baggage wagons are across. So you can breathe a sigh of relief about that, at least. We are ready to war. In a sense, ready to war. We've got across the bridge. <laughs> Almost everyone. Only Denisov's squadron of hussars remained on the farther side of the bridge, facing the enemy. <gasps> the Frenchies. Right, but, but what are they wearing? Well, they're wearing yellow charcos, 
dark green jackets braided with cord and blue riding breeches. So they look quite snappy, I imagine. Yeah, they also sound quite silly as well in their appearance. <laughs> I don't know. They've got, what, in the yellow charcos? <laughs> yeah, and the blue, blue riding pants. <laughs> you definitely spot them. I've also got a little weather update for you. Oh, about time. Yeah, it's, um, it's calm. You'll be pleased to hear. And the sun was descending brightly upon the Danube and the dark hills around it. Ah, lovely. So sunset, nice calm weather. Everyone's dressed to impress. (laughs) Everyone's looking good. It's not totally calm, though, because at intervals, the bugle calls and the shouts of the enemy could be heard from the hill. (gasps) The French are using their war bugles. (laughs) Psychological bugle-based warfare, intimidating the Russian army. That is classic French behaviour, that. Intimidating through small brass instruments. (laughs) What next? The trombone? (laughs) Get out the sack butt! (laughs) So, we know about what they're wearing, we know about the weather, we know what they're listening to, lovely bugle music. But now, just a bit of geographical information. So, the river, I think it's important in this kind of war situation to understand the topology of the of the land they're in a kind of valley the rivers at the bottom of the valley as you often see yeah uh, and there are hills on either side so on one side we've got the russian hill on the other side we've got the yep. french hill you get it you could have used the word valley but yeah you explained <laughs> it well so, so they're in a valley <laughs> yeah. um right and there's a few russian scouts hanging around but atop the other hill we can see the artillery and the blue uniformed troops of the french army the French are wearing blue. I'm not going to say they're, they're dressed as Smurfs. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> and, and you didn't even want to put that idea in my head. <laughs> you, not you're gonna, not saying it. I'm not saying it. I cannot confirm nor deny that. Yeah. But I'm not going to say it. I'm not saying. I'm not saying the French army are Smurfs. Look, I don't know why Tolstoy feels he has to make it so clear. Yep. He does go on to say explicitly, "These were the French." Dot 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 brackets. <laughs> Smurfs? Question mark. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. So things are getting pretty serious now. So all of the officers and men of Denisov's squadron, though they tried to talk of other things and to look in other directions, thought only of what there was on that hilltop. Hundreds of Smurfs. Hundreds of French Smurfs all playing the saxophone. (laughs) (laughs) It's an intimidating sight. And they're pretty close. They're only about 700 yards away, apparently, from the French army. That's very... Very close. When you start measuring stuff in yards... I know. You're close. That's so 640 metres. And if you're finding that hard to visualise, it is, of course, 435 Danny DeVitos laid head to to foot. (laughs) It's good. It's good because actually that does help. It's also 27 tennis courts and 2,399 Pringles tubes. Oh, 2,399. Pringles tubes. Yeah. I personally find (laughs) that the most useful. I'll just write that down. The stern, threatening, inaccessible and intangible line which separates two hostile armies was all the more clearly felt. They are not far away, eh? (laughs) So, Will, what would you be thinking if you were faced with the enemy for the very first time after all this build-up? Oh, my first thoughts, they're very blue. And then I'd I'd feel probably quite drunk yeah uh, because i've been drinking heavily all day wish i hadn't drunk so much i'd feel a bit bit shaky on my feet Uh, i'd put my hand in my pocket pull out a piece of ham maybe maybe two okay 
have a little bite of that and just think, huh, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. Okay, <laughs> I'm, well, very, I'm very unprepared for this. Well, this is what everyone's thinking, apparently. You fear and yet long to cross that line and know that sooner or later it must be crossed and you will have to find out what is there, just as you will inevitably have to learn what lies on the other side of death. Oh. But you are strong, healthy, cheerful and excited and are surrounded by other such excitedly animated and healthy men. Mixed bag. Got a bit weird, that bit, towards the end. It's like uh, Tolstoy's doing a bit of spin. But actually, they're all fine (laughs) and happy. Happy lads. Well, it's not what Tolstoy thinks. It's what the army people think. And and I I get it. They're incredibly drunk. They have really no idea what war's about. No. They're nervous because they could die. But also, everyone's so healthy. Isn't that nice? They're within a few hundred devitos of the enemy. And (laughs) you know what? Yeah. Are they scared? Sure. But are they happy and healthy? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And what <laughs> yeah. have you got if you haven't got your health? Exactly. Suddenly, <gasps> there's smoke in the distance. Then, there's the sound of a cannon. And then, whistling past their head, a cannonball as it narrowly misses them. Oh, and I bet they have a good giggle about that. Everyone gets ready. They're all neatly lined up. They're, they're preparing for a battle. And, and this, is what, this is what they look like. Every face from Denisov's to that of the bugler showed one common expression of conflict, irritation, and excitement around the chin and the mouth. Specifically, just around the chin. Just around that chin. Most of the face is relaxed, but the chin and the mouth, there's a lot of tension. A lot of tension in those chins. The quartermaster's frowning. Rostov is on the left flank on his beautiful horse. Such a good horse. Darren, I believe, is the name of the horse. But unfortunately, though, I didn't know, don't know if we knew this already, but um, Darren has a bit of a game leg. Yeah, we did know that because he got sold that horse by Fishham Man. Yeah, oh, that a, makes sense. He's a bloody thief. Well, it's mentioned a lot, the, the game leg, so I don't know if that's going to be relevant at some point. Cadet Mironov is there, and I think this is quite sensible. Uh, every time a cannonball flies overhead, he ducks. Really good stuff there. I'd do that. That's smart. Well, this is what Denisov's got to say about it. Who's that curtsying there? Cadet Mironov. That's not white. Look at me. <laughs> So he's getting told off for ducking because of the cannonballs and they're taking the piss out of him. Yeah, that seems fair. What a coward. He should keep his head nice and high up in the air, high as high <laughs> stand, as possible. He should stand up proud, goddammit. Stand up on his horse. Yeah, get up get up higher, actually. Or you there, get him up higher. So we know quite a lot about Denisov already, which is fantastic, but there has been one glaring omission. Right. Which is, of course, what are his hands like? We don't know about his hands. Oh, I cannot wait. I'm going to make sure I write this down. Okay. So Vaska Denisov, he's a short, sturdy figure. Check. We know all that. Yep. And he's got sinewy, hairy hands with stumpy fingers grasping at his sabre. Oh, Jesus. That sounds like he's got hobbit hands. Hairy knuckles. They sound disgusting. Sinewy. Like... Ugh, I don't even know what else to say. Ugh, gross. He's redder than usual, he's shouting, and he's um, pressing his spurs mercilessly into the sides of his good horse Bedouin, which isn't very nice. That's not a nice thing to do to Bedouin, or to any horse for that matter. Your Excellency, let us attack them! I'll drive them off! I want to slap them with my furry hands! He doesn't say that he said that second bit, but it seems plausible. <laughs> So he shouts that to the colonel. He's, he's really chomping at the bit. He wants some of this action. So, Will, what do you reckon? Are we going to attack? <laughs> Is it time? 
we've been in similar situations before with War and Peace, like trying to get into the bloody Count's bedroom. It went on for about four years. <laughs> surely, surely this is attacking time. We're, we're going to attack. Yes, yes, 100%, yes. Attack indeed. Puckering up his face as if driving off a troublesome fly. And why are you stopping here? Don't you see the skirmishes are retreating? Lead the squadron back. What? <laughs> so they immediately turn around. They bravely, bravely run away. They go across the bridge, uh, I guess, up through the town and up the hill uh, to, to rejoin the rest of the, the Russian army. All the way back, lads. All the way All back. All really good. Good runaway. Really good. Okay. So, you know, if we're not going to have that conflict, maybe we'll have a conflict of a different kind. Oh, I see what you did there. Like an internal conflict mm. or, or some kind of vicious fight uh, to the death for <laughs> sure, sure so as they're riding away carl bogdanich schubert comes up do you remember him we didn't get his full name before we i didn't know he was called carl i'm glad he is though <laughs> oh bogdanich he's a vindictive man i remember that exactly that's the main thing you need to remember he's a vindictive man he's the one that nikki kind of offended by outing the criminal fishhand man he made bogdanich very very upset indeed from hearing the truth <laughs> So possibly he's harbouring some sort of grudge. I don't know. Old Boggy. So a bit about Bogdanich. He's got an athletic back. His nape is covered with light <laughs> hair. And of course, he's got a red neck. Wow. Wowzers. He sounds like an animal. Footnote 85 tells us that he's speaking very poor Russian. Because he's German. He sounds like a dog that's been shaved. A big dog. He's like a, a dog that's been shaved that doesn't speak very good Russian. If, if that helps you understand <laughs> what's going on, Will, then yes, absolutely. Old German boggy with the red neck, the one who looks like a shaved dog. Great back. Oh, such a back, though. You could, you could set your watch on his back. Rostov clocks him coming over and he's like, bloody hell. It's him at casual. Here's a quote. He drew himself up and looked around merrily. Good. I like what he's doing there. I'm not bothered by this. Ha ha ha. Ha ha. <laughs> I'm just having another chat. Uh, Zerkov appears now. Just flicking through his joke book. <laughs> Last time we saw him, he made that crap joke in the corridor. He made a terrible joke. Everyone got very, very, very upset with him. Um, so I'm assuming he's come back with a better joke this time. Well, in a very kind of like, this is what happens to rich boys sort of way, he got basically sacked or, or reassigned, but into a, a better job, a cushier office job away from the front. Give him more time to focus on his joke writing. He's got to get his five minutes set down and that's, that's what's important. <laughs> yeah. So in between that, he's, he's helping out Prince Bag Ration. Bag Ration. But it's literally the words bag and then ration without a space. So Prince Bag Ration. So he sent an order via Zerkov that there's been a, a very small, a small oversight by the Hussars. Just a small, a small one. Very small. I don't know if you can, if you figured it out, Will, what the small oversight is. You at home, listener, you might have worked out what the, what the small oversight that the Hussars have made. There was some preparation going on earlier that, that hasn't quite been followed through. Oh, hang on a sec. We're not going to war with the French people. <laughs> <laughs> no. oh bloody hell it's not quite as big as that you spoke to me of inflammable material said he but you said nothing about firing it they've forgotten to blow the bridge up oh do you know what now you say it yeah oh i feel i've been 
do you know when you know you've got to do something? Honestly, <laughs> I've been thinking and there was something missing all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all makes sense now. To stop the arm, to stop the French arm, I get it. Because otherwise, no, it makes sense because the army the, will then, they'll cross the bridge and kill us. <laughs> got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Anyway, he's like, fair enough. I understand now we should go and burn that bridge. So we've got to go back now. Ugh. And who does he pick to go back? He picks Nikki Rostov's squadron. Nikki and Darren off to burn a little bridge. Look sharp, look sharp, someone shouts. Um, the men will start crossing themselves. This is dangerous. This is what Nikki thinks. His heart stood still. His hand trembled as he gave his horse into an orderly's charge and he felt the rush of blood to his heart with a thud. <gasps> Stretchers! Someone shouted behind him. What? Is he hit? They're preparatory stretchers. They're getting ready. Yeah. I'm just as confused as Rostov is by the sounds of it. No, no one's been hit yet, but they're just getting the stretchers ready. Okay, that's good. Anyway, then they all start running back to the bridge. I don't know why they don't take their horses. It's, it's not made clear to me, but they all run back. They need the exercise. I suppose so. I don't know if Nicky's done much running because he immediately falls over in the mud. <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, yeah, good. So, Will, what's going on? Will they blow up the bridge? Will that mud wash out of, of Nicky's clothes? Will Nicky end up on a stretcher? Are you going to answer any of those questions? <laughs> Three small dots. Oh, my <laughs> Mitchell's God. dots strikes again. The three dots have got us. Three dots of delay. Just as the camera pulls back, it, it, it freezes and Nicky's covered in mud and he's about to hit the ground and then star wipe. It's just a complete <laughs> star wipe and we're in space. <laughs> and there's and there's a, an alien going, wow, Gabriel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're in luck this time, actually. The three small dots is just uh, basically taking the place of a drone shot that goes kind of like, from the front, from Nikki, up into the air and up the hill. Mm. So we're transported now to some people watching the Hussars go back to blow up the bridge. These are just onlookers. Are they French Smurfs? Are they enemies? No, it's Russian, not Smurfs. It's people we know. It's uh, okay. on the hill. We've got Zerkov, Nesvitsky. I think someone else. I didn't write down who though. And they're watching everything unfold. They're having a good laugh, are they? According to Tolstoy, this is what they're thinking. And I can, I can sympathise with this. Will they burn down the bridge or not? Who will get there first? Will they get there and fire the bridge? Or will the French get within grape shot range and wipe them out? Ah, oh, lob grapes at them. That's a classic French tactic. Well, yeah, we'll come to that. Yeah, so the, the three of them are there. They're chatting. I, I imagined a little bit like football pundits. Uh, they're saying, you know, they've, got, they've sent too many men forward. They're in range of the grape shot. They're all going to die. This is backseat driving stuff. Oh, wouldn't have done that like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. oh, That's not how you burn a bridge, lads. You know oh, what I mean? You know what I wouldn't I mean? have run within the range of the grape shot. Oh, oh, he's got a bit close to that one there. He's going to get grape all over him. He'll be, oh. he'll be gutted, won't he? Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? So they're watching this. The French do indeed start firing their grape shot. Oh, they're lobbing their grapes. Those cheeky little Frenchies. One lad gets uh, shot by a grape and he goes down. Grape juice everywhere. They all keep running towards the bridge. Nesvitsky is all a bit much for him. He turns around and he says, if I were Tsar, I would never go to war. Oh, it's finally starting to dawn on him that they're at war. <laughs> yes, it's, yeah. <laughs> and in that short time, yeah. he turns back around and the Hussars have managed to set the bridge on fire. And they're, and they're running back to the horses. So they did a very quick job of it there in the middle. Turns out that was really easy, lads. We just need to set it on fire. Three more poor lads have been graped. Oh, bless them. We've, so, so far, by my count, we've lost four good men. 
So this is Nicky's big moment. He's, he's run all the way down there. He, he's got his lovely yellow sharkies all covered in, in, in mud. And you get there, and, you, and this must have happened to you, Will. You get to the bridge you're going to burn down, mm-hmm. and you realise you've forgotten your burning straw. Ah, oh, I... I'm absolutely <laughs> livid and I'm muddy. Yeah, so he's standing there, no burning straw. Ugh. Blokes around him getting hit by grapes, falling to the ground, stuff like that. Oh, wow. One guy gets shot and he says, Oh, for Christ's sake, let me alone. For some oh, reason. <laughs> oh, leave it. That bloody stings. <laughs> Ow. He's been put on a stretcher. Ow, stop it. Oh, stop it now. Anyway, they cut him off because he's a bit annoying. Yeah. Shut up, mate. So, I know what you're thinking, Will. No, you don't. Standing in the middle of the bridge, blokes dying all around you. What better time for a moment of mindfulness and quiet, calm reflection? Wow. Personally, this wouldn't be the time for (laughs) me to be mindful. But, you know. If you're going to be mindful, you should try and do it all the time as much as you can. So, (laughs) you really should. uh, Ideally, in the most stressful of situations. When else would you need it most? Nicholas Rostov turned away and, as if searching for something, gazed into the distance. At the waters of the Danube, at the sky and at the sun. How beautiful the sky looked. How blue and calm and how deep. How bright and glorious was the setting sun. With what soft glitter the waters of the distant Danube shone. Oh God, what's he doing? (laughs) And fairer still were the faraway blue mountains beyond the river. The nunnery, the mysterious gorges and the pine forests veiled in the mists of their summits. There was peace and happiness. He's not on holiday. What? What's he doing? He's like he's working for the tourist board. Guys, lovely this place. Well, it really does speak to the power of mindfulness because through this brief moment of pause, he decides, you know what? I'm not going to stand here and die. Life is worth living. I'm going to move. <laughs> yeah, 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 yes. <laughs> You know what? Look, fair play to him. Fair play to him. Yeah, so he does a quick prayer and then he runs up the hill. Good lad. Safe from all the grapes. Wealthwend, so you smell powder, shouted Denisov, just above his ear. He's so loud, Denisov. He really (laughs) is everywhere, isn't he? He's everywhere. He's always there, shouting. But um, Rostov, internally, he he says this, it's all over, but I am a coward. Yes, a coward. This is the internal conflict. I promised you. He is a coward, yeah. <laughs> he is. He is. But look, we're cowards. It's fine. I'd be a coward in this situation. So so that's all good. But this, for me, really was the most shocking bit of this whole this whole chapter, I'm really going to say. It's all over, but I'm a coward. Yes, a coward, thought Rostov. And sighing deeply, he took Rook, his horse. Who? Who the hell's Rook? Rook. His name's Darren. His name's Darren, mate. (laughs) His name's Darren, for God's sake. Anyway, so I don't know if that's Nicholas's mistake or Tolstoy's mistake, but there has been a mistake. Sorry about that. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Dennis Holford's got this to say. Yes, and no mistake. You work like regular bricks and it's nasty work and attacks pleasant work. Hacking away at the dogs? But this sort of thing is the very devil, with them shooting at you like a target. <laughs> Denisov is, is always, it's always a challenge to understand what Denisov is saying. <laughs> but he always says <laughs> devil. <laughs> he just shouts devil a lot. He's very highly strung. Yeah. I'm not really sure ever what he's talking about. The takeaway for me for that, reading it a few times, is that fighting 
a battle is great. It's all good. But when you're just being shot at, it's not so great. Well, look, we can all agree to that. I got bloody grape juice all over my eyes. I don't think it's grapes, mate. I think it's something a bit more serious than that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. So, look, we're nearly at the end now. They've run away. The bridge is on fire. Quite a few lads have been shot with grapes. Mm-hmm. I'll just leave you with this encouraging exchange. I think it bodes well for the for the future battles in the book. Inform the prince that the bridge has been fired, said the colonel, triumphantly and gaily. This is to sort of a, a helper. And if he asks about the losses? A trifle, said the colonel in his bass voice. Two hussars wounded and one knocked out. He added, unable to restrain a happy smile. Oh, that's great news. That's fine. Yeah, so it's a, that's it. So it's a happy ending after all. I think they are grapes, Steve. We've only got one lad who's unconscious. The other two have just had kind of superficial grape-based wounds. I counted more than three people injured. I don't know if they've just forgotten about a few people or something, but... Um, they could just be so low down the pecking order, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is fine. It's the summary summary. I think the kind of shocking incompetence of the of the Russian army is still always surprising me. I'm not convinced Napoleon's going to need to be some sort of military mastermind to defeat these guys. There's absolutely <laughs> no need. Just wait. They'll just they'll tire themselves out going backwards and forwards all day. There we go, Will. So, quite an exciting chapter. Always nice when we have three little dots. Three little dots. And boy, will it make you chuckle. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Will, prepare yourself. I am preparing myself. Just because you've done this to me a few times now, I'm just going to say this. (laughs) I hope you don't screw up and ruin everything for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With your rubbish summary. (laughs) This makes me stronger. I feed off this stuff, mate. That's not my style, Will. That's, That's your horrible bile there. What I would say to you, Will, is I fully support you. I want, I want you to do your best work. I want to see you shine and glisten in the sunlight like a golden swan who's just had a really fantastic birthday party. Ah, yeah. Swans throw a cracking birthday party. I've got 10 seconds on the clock. Well done. Are you ready to go, Will? Yeah. Three, two, one. Grapes of Wrath. I swear we had to do something. Oh, God, the bridge. Nick's a coward. The French Smurfs are chucking grapes like nobody's business. One. Confirmed. Knockout. Stop. I stopped exactly on time. I've internalised 10 seconds now. That was an excellent summary. Very competent. Very professional. What was the title? Grapes of Wrath. And uh, and a perfect title. A perfect perfect title. title. Those cheeky little French Smurfs lobbing those grapes. Bloody annoying, but not deadly. Uh, One confirmed. (laughs) I've got to say, I'm really (laughs) pleased that we've made this connection between the French and the Smurfs. It all makes sense now to me. And I'm I'm so happy about this. It's all coming perfectly (laughs) together. It's as if we planned this stuff, you know. And honestly, some of you won't believe this. We really don't. We've definitely got Smurfs on the brain, though. I certainly have. I've got Smurfs up and in and on the brain. Uh, Nick, he's a coward. He's confronted his own cowardice. Yeah, I don't think his dad's going to like that. No, you have to keep that inside, I'm sure. I'm sure he will. Don't tell anyone, Nick. He should keep that inside seething and sort of undermining mm. his self-confidence. That would be... Yeah, be yeah, yeah, yeah. That would, be, that would be my advice there. And then, of course, just Tolstoy's, I'm going to say first and hopefully only mistake. You know, it was a, it's a long book. He's bound to make a mistake here or there. Yeah. The horse isn't called Rook, it's called Darren. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Like from Robert's email alone, it is difficult, the Russian naming convention. Um, you know, even Tolstoy can get confused from time to time. It could be Rook, son of Darren Darinovich. Yeah. Rukovich or Darinovich, Rook, uh, Horse Rook, you know. We could go on, but we shan't. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to another episode of War and Peace in just seven years. Treat yourself to a handful of grapes. Go on. (laughs) Why not? Why not, you bloody legends? We are fully in the battle now. And why not join our army? On Instagram. Oh, I like it. Yeah. You see where I'm going with that? At Wappin7 Podcast. Get involved and draw us a picture. We are yeah. waiting. We are waiting for your fantastic artwork. We cannot wait. Yeah, that's right. Sharpen uh, sharpen your phone, put on your yellow Sharkos. Do it. And get yourself onto our Instagram and join our new official global army. We cannot wait to have you join the ranks. And just for you, Here are the silly bits. Steve, are you following? What could you call Hefty if you're mates with him? Um, Heftyovich? No, just Hefty. Got to be honest, I'm I'm sorry, I'm reading a book. I was reading a book (laughs) over here. So if I'm not following (laughs) the ins and outs of this um, Smurf Russian naming convention thing, I apologise. I'm looking forward to listening to it later, though. I've got to be honest with that. Cheers. Run! (laughs) It's a tuba. It's a piccolo sax. Run! (laughs) I mean, it does make sense because his name's Papa Smurf. But is Papa Smurf really the father of all? I don't know, eighty Smurfs. Yeah, mate. Well, that that's that's a a question (laughs) for another time. For another day. (laughs) Hello, I'm called Hefty Papich.